Welcome to Get Right for Sunday, a podcast designed to help you prepare for Sunday and beyond. I am Pastor Wright, and each week I have a conversation exploring the Bible readings for this upcoming Sunday. Join us as we discuss how the lessons are applied to our daily life in Christ. Welcome to Get Right for Sunday. Today we are going to look at the readings for the fourth Sunday in Lent, and you can listen to those readings on our reading podcast that was dropped yesterday. And so, Vicar, you're actually preaching on this. I am. So, where do you want to go? Well, actually, my focus when I when I preach on this is going to be on the numbers text, on the Old Testament text, which is from Numbers 21, verses 4 through 9. And that's because this event that happens in Numbers, I think, is one of the most fascinating, peculiar, strange events in the Bible. And that alone would would stand on its own. This mm-hmm. this event, for those that don't know, or for those that haven't listened to the reading podcast yet, is where uh, the Israelites are, are wandering through the desert. They start to complain about the manna, and God sends uh, fiery serpents among them, and they start to bite the people, and the people start dying. And they come to Moses, and they confess their sins. They say, we've sinned. Uh, we've spoken against God and against you. Take this away. And Moses prays for the people. And God tells Moses to make a fiery serpent, to put it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten and looks to the serpent on the pole will live. And so he makes a bronze or copper, whatever you want to say it is, serpent, and he sets it on the pole. And if any of the people were bit by the serpent, they would look to the bronze serpent and they would live. Fascinating. Strange, interesting story. And as I said, that would be enough. Yes. But Jesus brings this up in our gospel reading, one of the most well-known gospel readings from John chapter 3. He's talking to a man named Nicodemus, and there they're having this conversation about, you know, new life and new birth and kind of what Jesus is here to do. And Jesus says, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness— so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Jesus compares what he's there to do to Moses lifting up this bronze serpent in the desert. And this adds a whole nother layer to this event, because now it's not just this strange event of healing. Now it's an image of what God has sent his Son to do in the world. Okay, so I want to go back to something else. While you were talking and discussing the numbers text, you said something interesting, and I want to pick your brain on this one. Oh, go for it. So Israelites are wondering. They're tired of the, the man and quail. They're complaining, complaining. They complain against Moses and God. Yes. Serpents come in, and we hear, and it says, we repent. We have spoken against you, Moses, and yes. God. So my first question is, are they repenting because they got caught? <sighs> well, yeah, I think this is a good question. Are, are, they, are they saying we've sinned because they're dealing with the punishments? 
Or are they saying their sin because they, they recognize that what they've done is wrong? And I guess, why can't it be both? Uh, that's where I would. You know? Yeah. yeah like, I, I think there's, there's both here. Like, they're facing the consequences, clearly. They're dealing with the results of, of their sin and the consequences of it. And they, they don't want those consequences anymore. But I think with that comes the realization that what they did was wrong. Like, I, I do think it's both. Kind of like a parent, mm-hmm. you know, punishing their child. The hope is not just that they would say, oh, I had to go to my room because I pulled my little sister's hair and I'm, you know, upset about the punishment. But the goal is that they would also learn and realize that what they did was wrong because they were hurting their sibling. Not just because they got punished, but especially with young with young kids, that punishment plays a role in that realization. Well, and the reason I ask this is because the whole idea, it seems almost arbitrary. Uh-huh. Here is a bronze snake. Here's a statue. Look at it, and you'll be rescued and saved. And it seems, and when I say arbitrary, just as it says in the text, they looked upon the bronze serpent and lived. With that, it's not just that simple act that rescued and saved the Israelites from certain death from these venomous snakes. There's something else playing a role in it. And of course, it's it's faith. And going back to, you know, you don't hear the Israelites, oh, my bad. I was gossiping, talking bad, complaining. (laughs) Um, I looked at the serpent moving on with my life. There's there's a lot happening in this. Right, and I'm actually really glad you brought that up because I have— Several very interesting things to say on that. Okay. Now let's see if I can if I can get them in order here, and I can I can think about them. So first, I'm going to tackle the Israelites complaining. Uh, why is this so wrong? Why is it like, once again, back to kids? I don't want to eat broccoli. Okay, well, why is that such a bad thing? I don't want to eat quail. I don't want to eat manna. Why does that matter so much? Why is this such a big deal? Well, I think one of the biggest reasons is this is not just complaining about the food and the menu. God is providing for them through this. This is how he has chosen to provide for them. And some of the early uh, church fathers actually argued that this manna could kind of taste like whatever you wanted it to, which I don't know if that's really true. Yeah. Uh, but the, the point is, it's not bad. But they were getting, they were getting tired of it. And they were kind of, and they were actually saying, why'd you bring us out of Egypt to die here in the wilderness with this terrible food? This is about trust. Mm -hmm. And right after this, well, not right after this, um, think back to the the Ten Commandments and the number one commandment, which is you shall have no other gods before me, which if you look at, you know, Luther's small catechism is really about fear, love, and trust in God. By despising his provision for them, they're despising uh, the love that he's shown them and they're not trusting him, more importantly. And so that's why this is such a big deal. It's a trust thing. Mm-hmm. It's a despising the gifts of God thing. And also Moses is roped in because Moses represents God leadership to the people. But uh, I, I think you raised you know, another interesting point, the arbitrariness uh, of the snake, the strangeness of this will be the thing that we look to. Mm-hmm. And one of the fascinating things is they kept the snake after this event. Yeah. They took it with them. And it didn't do what it used to do anymore. It stopped, quote unquote, working. Because uh, it wasn't magic. It never was. Um, but some of the Israelites later on, like a couple hundred years later, started worshiping this thing. 
they found it and they started worshiping it like as a god. And one of the kings, I think Josiah, had to destroy it because the Israelites were treating the thing as having power in and of itself. And this is the key here. And this is, I think, getting to the strangeness that you brought up. God has chosen to use a normal earthly thing. He's attached his promise to it to do something specific. And he's commanded them to, in this case, look at it and trust him to work through this thing. Which to me sounds like something we actually experience. It sounds like baptism and the Lord's Supper. Mm -hmm. Take, uh, you know, we were just talking about baptism earlier with the catechumens here at the, the school. And we were asking, how can normal water do this? Well, it's water tied to the promise of God and received in faith. I actually think that's what's going on here. Now, I'm not implying that the bronze snake on the pole is a sacrament, uh, mostly because it doesn't give the forgiveness of sins here, mm -hmm. and it isn't commanded and instituted by Christ for us. Right. But it's functioning in a similar way for the Israelites, mm -hmm. in the sense that, a that an ordinary, peculiar thing has now had the promise of God attached to it, and it's not the faith in the thing. It's not the faith in the snake, which is why, you know, it didn't work later and why Josiah had to destroy it because they were worshiping it. They were worshiping the object instead of the th the instead of God who had put his promise to it. Um, and, and so the point here is that God has attached his promise. God has attached his word. If you look on this, you will be healed. And I think that's, that's a really interesting way to look at this. And it kind of changes our perspective on what's going on. Well, and I really like the way you approach it because uh, Jesus agrees with you. <laughs> and, I, and it's seen in verse 14. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And here's the key point, that whoever believes right. in him may have eternal life. It's not just an act. It's not just a, I say the right words, I do the right thing, I'm in the right place believes in him. And that really shows the fullness of God's work in Christ, the right. perfect life, the sacrificial act on the cross. But now we also get the actual event, and it's all scrunched together. And then putting that back again into numbers, you have Israel, Israel being very disobedient. Yes. Um, they complain in Egypt, God rescue us. Then the um, plagues happen. The Israelites complain about the plagues, too. Yeah, because it's bleeding onto their stuff. And then when they get out, moments, you know, in the Bible, it looks like it's just moments out in the desert. It's hot. I'm hungry. Are there not enough graves in Egypt? You brought us out to the desert to die. They're quite bad at complaining. Uh, yeah. God immediately shows them the promised land, and they lie about, the spies lie, and uh, and God punishes by giving them 40 years. They got to wonder for 40 years. That's why they're eating this food in the desert. Right. But at no point does God abandon them. No. And continues to provide for them. Their sandals don't wear out. Their clothes don't wear out. So on and so forth. God continues to provide. But this is a whole event. And we do get to see it kind of almost narrowed down to life and death in this situation. And this bronze serpent, Jesus connects it, but is really pointing to what is to come. And this, what looks like to be the instrument of death, becomes the instrument of life. I think that's what really fascinating, what you just said. Right. 
both in Jesus's use of this and yeah. in the Old Testament. So the snakes, which are biting people, and when it says fiery, what it means is is poisonous. Right. Fiery, like they're they're talking about the sensation of when the snake bites yeah. you and it feels like it burns. So these poisonous snakes. Um, they put the image of the poisonous snake on the pole, the very thing that's killing you, the very thing that's bringing death is now the thing that you must look to for life. And I think that's not a coincidence, not no. just a random thing that God's no, chosen. No, not at all. Because this is exactly what happens when Jesus is lifted up on the cross. Well, I really like the the idea of uh, St. Paul. Uh-huh. He who knew no sin became sin. Right. And sin is what brings death into the world. Mm-hmm. And so literally, your sin was nailed to the cross. The fact that we are sinful and God in Christ, Jesus, or uh, the Word made flesh, takes on our likeness. And not just he was similar. He took on our very flesh. He was perfect, but he stands, or he's nailed to the cross, and he stands as the substitute, as if he committed all the sin, so on and so forth. And so when we look at the cross, we really do get to see our death, but we have a change to this. We see the death of our death in the cross. And so the instrument of death becomes the instrument of our life. Right. I, some of the, I, I've been reading just a couple of really early, early church theologians about this. And one, one of them, a guy named Cyril, talks about how these, these serpents signify uh, the bitter and deadly sin. Mm-hmm. And now, like you were saying, Christ becomes the image of sin, taking on our sin and dying on the cross to free us from the death and bitterness of sin. Uh the instrument of death, the cross, becomes what gives us eternal life. And we look to that to be to be saved. Not like through the literal looking at it and like, I see the cross in the church and now I'm saved. But by looking and trusting in what God promised and achieved through that. Once again, the power is not in the object, right. but in the, the promise of God that's attached to it and the work of Christ in this case, uh, we can receive... Um, healing even from death. Well, and just the imagery of this. Uh, this is why we can call the event of Jesus' crucifixion, the, the actual day we celebrate it, we call that Good Friday. Yeah. And it seems so weird. Here we're celebrating the suffering, the death of Jesus, and we call it good. Yes. But in all confidence, boldness, faith, it is good. Because that sacrifice, behold, the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world, your sin, my sin, that is a good act from a good God graciously acting for your good. And that good, of course, is forever and ever in and with him in the bodily resurrection. Right. And I I like how that kind of leads into the latter part of the gospel lesson. Uh, I pick up at, at verse 19. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and the people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works be should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his work has been carried out in God. 
And, and the reason I like all those verses connected, when we see the cross for what it is, the good act of a good God for my good against salvation. Through suffering. Through suffering. Not in spite of, and, but yes. through. Because we're connected. Uh, St. Paul talks about when we're connected to his death, we're connected, his death, Jesus' death, we're also connected to his resurrection. Right. And that's through baptism. But again, it's never the promise of without suffering or that everything becomes easy and we just get it. It is always through suffering on this side of heaven. But because we see the cross for what it is, the life-giving act, our life, yes, it becomes the light that we get to live in because it's the light of Christ. It's the light of salvation. It's the light of the promise. It's revelation. And we get to do this, which then really does, and I like this because it makes me feel uncomfortable. <laughs> it exposes my sin. Yeah. And in spite of that, and I, and I mean that sincerely, in spite of my exposure, my weakness, I still approach the cross because that's where salvation is. And this isn't, um, you know, I pick myself up, I drag myself to the cross. Right. It's because there is my salvation and Christ has brought me there. And again, I, I love that last uh, verse Jesus says, uh, be clearly seen that his work, which would be my work, have been carried out in God. God is doing the work. God is the one bringing me to the cross. God is the one saving me. God is the one rescuing me. God is the one carrying me, working in through me. And even though I feel uncomfortable because God's the one doing the work, and I, of course, I want Jesus to come off the cross and let me do the work. Let me earn my salvation. Well, I think earlier you were you were commenting, you know, we don't like things that are free. Nope. You, I think you told me earlier today, uh, nobody wants a free cat. <laughs> yeah. But everybody wants a $5 cat. Right. You know, we're suspicious of things that don't require us to work, don't mm. require us to give. Right. Um, and this is a little bit the part of the scandal mm -hmm. of the cross is that it doesn't require anything of us, but gives us everything. What it takes from us is sin. Yeah. Uh, the sin that, as you pointed out, it also exposes. Uh, but through the exposing of the cross, all can look to that to receive life. And that cross truly is lifted up for all to look to and receive life. Everyone, the entire world, can look and receive the free healing and life that comes through the cross. No strings attached. No strings attached through the suffering of Christ. This is offered to everyone because Christ so loved the world. And that is so huge um, and is kind of what I think Jesus is getting at when he talks about the cross being lifted up so that all may look to it and see and receive the healing and the forgiveness of their sins and the bitterness of sin and death is healed by the looking and trusting into the work on the cross. So one of the, this becomes a, a picture uh, analogy that I kind of like. Jerusalem is a holy city, and we have the promise in Revelation, the holy city coming out of heaven. It's God's city. But look at the cross 
Golgotha, the trash heap, everything yeah. is outside of the city. And you have to enter the city through, uh, you have to walk past the crucifixion in order to get into the city. This is a statement. This is done on purpose. This is what we do to criminals. Behave yourself. Yeah, this is a Roman punishment right. way of dealing with uh, kind of punishing bad behavior and encouraging other people to not do the same. And I want to change that view, um, especially with the, 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 scandalous, the scandal of the cross, uh, the cross actually being good, you know, so on yeah. and so forth. But we have the promise that we have Jerusalem, the holy Jerusalem, the eternal Jerusalem waiting for us. But we have to go through the cross. And that act is lifted up so everybody will see it. And we get to see this as it is revealed to us through the Holy Spirit, through the creation and working of faith, that now this lifted Christ, the glorified Christ, is given to us through the means of the cross, the means of what we see as weakness, as death. We, we get to have because of what God delivers to us through faith. That weakness is actually the full power and might of God being exercised. Right. That death is actually life-giving and bestowed upon us. And when we look at the cross and we get to know that through the cross, we have forever and ever, we have the bodily resurrection. And this makes life on this side of heaven joyful in the sense that just as Christ suffered, and he himself said, for my name's sake, you'll suffer. Yes. We do get to look at the suffering as a benefit of strengthening our faith, knowing that through the cross, we have forever. Through the cross, we have all the work of Christ. Through the work of the cross, the very light of God is ours. And this means that we boldly confess the cross, boldly confess Christ, and boldly live this out. And so we don't complain <laughs> as the Israelites about what God is doing, what he's providing. And it's hard because on this side of heaven, it's easy to complain about. Oh, yeah. It's easy to wonder. God hasn't invited us to know his full plan, will, outside of all to be saved. And so we will continue to struggle and wrestle which means that we continue, just like our baptism, we continue to return to the cross again and again and again, gazing upon its beauty, knowing that Christ has given and delivered his life for us. And salvation is ours in the work that he continues to lay before us. Thank you for listening to Get Right for Sunday. I know that your time is valuable, and of all the things that you could have watched or listened to, you have chosen to deepen your biblical understanding with Get Right for Sunday. Would you take a moment to give a five-star rating of this podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform? This actually helps others to be able to find Get Right for Sunday. Again, thank you for your time, your prayers, and support.